Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Luke, chapter 24. Here's Pastor Ryan. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. That is Luke chapter 24. And give me an amen once you are there. And Father, we come before you again this morning just so blessed and so honored to to be before you here in your house, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would be magnified and glorified in all that is said and done here today. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you gave your son Jesus to die in our place for our sins on the cross. And we're so grateful it didn't end there. But three days later, according to his word, he rose from the dead. And he's at your right hand, even now, interceding for us. And so, Jesus, we pray in your name. Have your way with us. Pour out your grace, Lord. Holy Spirit, overflow in this place and teach us your truths, Lord. You know where everyone's at uh, here today, and you know where everyone's at who's watching. We just pray that you would minister to us through your word. And may it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. All right, so I want to begin this morning with... uh, Peter's exhortation in his first epistle, chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verses 3 through 5, the big fisherman says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That's a beautiful word from Peter, that God has begotten us again Uh, to a living hope. So for those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have a living hope. It's not a hope that's based on fantasy or lies or wishful thinking. It is a hope that is based on the fact and reality that Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day. He died for our sins and he rose for our justification. So for those of us who put our faith in him, and it matters not our background, it matters not how grotesque and perverse our lives were before, how terrible our sins were, the blood of Jesus Christ makes us spotless, and all we have to do is put our faith in him. But on the third day, he rose to justify us, to really seal the deal, to, to, to make everything that he said and everything that he did uh, be true as he said it, because he rose from the dead on the third day. For centuries, unbelieving scholars 
have scoffed and have mocked at the story of the Lord's resurrection for centuries. They have often said that the disciples of Christ were, uh, were in an emotional state and, and uh, really not in their right mind, and they just thought that they saw the resurrected Lord. This is not new, because Satan, even from day one, when Jesus rose from the dead, Satan, as you recall, with, uh, uh, had the guards who were, or the soldiers who were guarding Jesus' tomb, paid off to say that his disciples came by night and stole him away. That's day one that Satan was trying to put doubt in the minds of people that Jesus did not resurrect. Matthew's gospel tells us that the two soldiers who were guarding the tomb became as dead men when they uh, saw the angels ascending onto the tomb in order to move away the stone. And as you know, uh, they did it in darkness. It was it was not yet light and the and the earth quaked greatly and they stood there like dead men afterwards they went to the elders and told them uh, all that had happened and the elders gave them a large sum of money and and uh, told them to say that his disciples came by night uh, uh, to while while they slept to steal the body they also said to the soldiers if if word of this comes to the governor's ears, uh, we will appease him and make you secure. And so they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Satan scoffers from the beginning saying, oh, he didn't resurrect, but he did. Ironside, H.H. Uh, Ironside, that great uh, uh, Bible uh, teacher, uh, had an interesting thing to say concerning the resurrection. He said, "He said, take any understand, uh, take any outstanding character or event in ancient history, uh, history uh, uh, with persons that lived prior to the Christian era. So before Jesus was born, look at ancient history. Look at any uh, particular person or event in ancient history." And try to think on the testimony of how many witnesses you accept the story which you have received concerning this person or events. There was a man, as you know, a philosopher named Socrates, right? We all know so Socrates. How do you know that he lived? Ironside says. Well, you have the testimony of Plato and Xenophon, two guys. Others would refer to Socrates in later days on the authority of these two eyewitnesses. Beyond that, you do not have the testimony of any other eyewitness that Socrates even existed. God has given us an abundant testimony concerning the reality and the fact of our resurrected Lord. He has given us testimony upon testimony that the tomb is empty and that they saw Jesus uh, resurrected. And in order to get the full effect of the story, it's good for all of us to read uh, the accounts in all four Gospels. Paul the Apostle would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, 
that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, the big fisherman. I like saying that because I'm a big guy, and I'm just trying to, big guys get a bad rap, you know. And so <laughs> there's a couple big dudes in here. This one's for you. <laughs> Cephas, right? He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at one time, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep, or he, mean, he means died. After that, he was seen by James, then by the, all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Many testified of seeing Jesus resurrected. And I, I was able to go to Israel and I, I went to the garden tomb and I, I can assure you, he's not in there. <laughs> he's risen. Christ is risen from the dead no matter what the scoffers say. This means that all that he said and did was true. All of the miracles he did all of the beautiful words of life that he gave, all that he said about the kingdom of God, all of the words of comfort he gave to the sinner, no matter what a sinner had done, Christ was willing to receive them if they would just turn and follow him. All of it is true. Him saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall always live. The, the words, they're all true because he rose on that third day. We have a living hope, as Peter said, and we are kept by the power of God until we see him face to face again. It's his power that keeps us, not our own. If it was up to our power, we would have fallen away long ago. And maybe today you're here and, and, and you have felt like you've fallen away or you're not being upheld. Remember that it is by God's power that you are upheld. All you and I need to do is draw close to Jesus and he will draw close to you. There's nothing that you cannot do through his power according to his will. The resurrection tells us that we all have... The resurrection tells us that all that we need is found in Jesus. All that we need for life and godliness is in him. The resurrection tells us that we're complete in him. Yes, we love others and we want others in our lives. But we are complete in Christ. He is sufficient. The person of Jesus Christ our Lord resurrected. He is sufficient for what we need. All the guidance, all the wisdom, all the understanding, all the comforts, all the strength is all in him. The resurrection reminds us. It's in our risen king. The resurrection tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things. Jesus came to change us. So that we're not settled in our old ways. So that we, we, we're not able to use the excuse with God that I've always been this way. I'm just not that kind of person. I, I, that's never been my thing, Lord. 
When we come to Christ, we've been crucified with him and we are raised with him in victory. This means that we can be completely different than what we've always been. I'm an ex-gang member preaching to you this morning. He changes us, you see? That's what the resurrection does. In Romans 8, 11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You see, it's this Holy Spirit that he gives to us who believe in him that strengthens us, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, that power that has transformed the world. It is the greatest day. His birth is great, the crucifixion is great, but without the resurrection, it's, it, it, it's all for naught, but he rose. It's the sealing of it. It's the deal. He sealed it. And that same power, God promises, that is, it's available to the believer to put our bodies in check, to tell our bodies, you know what, I'm sorry if you're tired. We'll get some rest, but guess what? Tomorrow, you are going to serve the Lord. Put the Twinkie down. I'm serious. <laughs> Paul says, I, I bring my body into subjection. And all in our levels, of course. Old, young, whatever our age is. The older can pray. The older can... Can, can pour into us younger folks. Tell us some life stories. Tell us what God has done. Be in his house. There's plenty of people who don't have dads and don't have moms and don't have grandmas and don't have grandpas who need you older folks to pour into us. Some churches, you know, they, they, they fuss about getting younger. <laughs> getting younger? Give, me, give us the gray hairs. It's a crown of glory. It is a sign of God's blessing. That same power will give us power at whatever, wherever we're at. Verse 1, chapter 24. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, that's the women, and certain other women with them, came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The women came. These are the women that ministered to Jesus throughout his ministry. The women who came from Galilee. They followed him all the way up to Jerusalem. We know that the women were phenomenal that cared for the Lord. They were the last at the cross and the first to the tomb. And they were coming to bring spices on the very first day of the week. The Jewish week is different than our week. We tend to look at uh, Sundays as the last day of the week and Monday being uh, the new week. But as you know, in the Jewish calendar... Uh, Saturday, the Sabbath, is the, is the seventh day for them, the final day of rest. And so they rest on the Sabbath, and then Sunday will be the first day of the week. And this is, the, this is when the women went. This is when he rose. He rose on the first day uh, of the week. In Psalm 118, it's that amazing psalm that we quoted uh, last Sunday, in Jesus' triumphal entry. 
Right? Psalm 118. Hasana, Hasana, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Which means save now, save now, bring now prosperity. That messianic psalm is, is what we talked about last Sunday. But it, it also applies to the resurrection. Because in that same psalm, verse 22 through 24, it says this. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And so the stone which the builders have rejected, so the religious Jews rejected their Messiah. Jesus was and is the chief cornerstone. A temple without Jesus as the center is not a temple at all. A church without Jesus at the center is not a church at all. He is the foundation. He is that cornerstone. They rejected him. They crucified him. But then the very next verse in Psalm 118, it says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You've all heard that verse before, right? It's a song. I've sung it before, and it's a beautiful verse. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we, we apply it to every day, which we should. But in reality, it's about the resurrection. It's about the resurrection. He was the stone that the builders rejected. He was the cornerstone. He was crucified. And what day was the Lord? The Lord's day? Sunday. This is the day that Jesus came out of the tomb to have victory over sin and death. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. They rejected him, but he came out of that tomb on the third day. Amen? And we know that Jesus died on the preparation day. He died on Friday. Friday before the Sabbath was a preparation day where the Jews prepared religiously, piously, uh, Tirelessly, they prepared to make sure that everything was taken care of in their homes, in their businesses, so that on Saturday they could just chill and do nothing under the Lord, to just rest on Sabbath. So Jesus died on the preparation day prior to the Sabbath. As we know, the Jews asked that the bodies of, of Jesus and the, the bad thief and the good thief, uh, that their legs be broken so that bodies were not left hanging on the Sabbath. So on the preparation day, they went and they broke the knees of, of both the, the thieves. But when they came to Jesus, he had already passed away. That was the preparation day. The Sabbath, the Jews. Can you imagine the religious rulers who, who killed our Savior? How religious they must have been in making sure that they didn't take so many steps to violate the Sabbath. That they didn't get carry pitchers of water lest they they sin against the Sabbath. Not understanding that Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our Sabbath. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
We know that the Old Testament and the, the feasts were a shadow of things to come, but the substance of those things was Christ. He is our rest. In fact, most scholars believe, and I agree, that that was the last Sabbath that, that God um, recognized because Jesus rose the day after the Sabbath, and he is our Sabbath. What's interesting about his resurrection also is that in Leviticus 23, you have the feast of first fruits. And the feast of first fruits was a commandment to God's people that they bring the, the vegetables and the fruits from their trees and from the fields in, in a sheath and they, that they were to bring it to the priests. And the priest was to wave it before the Lord to thank God for the provisions of the first fruits. Like you have given, this is the first blessings of the season. And, and we're waving these first fruits before you as to say, thank you, God, for your provisions. Without you, we'd go hungry. Thank you for this substance. Thank you for this fruit and the vegetables and the, the wheat and, and the food. And that feast of first fruits took place on the first day of the week after the Sabbath. It took place on Sunday, folks. Jesus, we're told by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus' resurrection has given you and I eternal life. No longer do we die like everybody else. When everybody else dies, they lose consciousness and, they, and, and, and they're in trouble. They're heading towards judgment. But for the believer in Jesus Christ, when we die, we don't lose consciousness of God. We never die. Our bodies may die, do die, but our consciousness of God our spirit moves on from this tent to the next tent. A new body, incorruptible, not made with hands. God made it. The first fruits of resurrection, Jesus. First day of the week. And all, all that Old Testament points to him. The first day of that week, very early in the morning, they and other Certain women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which, had, which they had prepared. You know, the tomb that Jesus was in was given to him as an act of love uh, by Joseph of Arimathea. He was a secret disciple of the Lord and he loved Jesus so much that he gave his tomb for him. Joseph did not believe that Jesus was going to rise from the dead in three days. He did not believe that. Had he believed that, if you believe that and you had the opportunity, we wouldn't put him in a tomb. We'd put him in our bed. We'd put him in our bedroom and we'd watch the clock. They didn't expect him to rise. The women who loved him did not expect him to rise. That's why they brought the spices. That's why they brought... This is, this is for his burial. It was... It was he, his words were life to them. His words were comfort to, to them. His hands touched them. He blessed them. He, he, he healed so many people. 
They loved him. And as a final act, the women brought these things. It's a final act of love. The story was supposed to end right there in their eyes. He kept telling them that he was going to rise on the third day, but they, they couldn't see. They wouldn't see. But these are the very women that are going to end up seeing him before the men and are going to deliver the news of his resurrection. The women who cared for him. God sees how we care for him. He sees what we do for him. The disciples said, we'll do it all for you. We'll, we'll go to prison. We'll even die. Not Peter wasn't the only one who said that. They all said it. Where are they now? That was words. Words of the flesh. But in the spirit, there's, there's, last, there's love. True, these women loved him. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.